You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, with the Coast's wonderful podcast. Join me on the other line because it is a Monday and we didn't talk enough last week. Mr. Tony East from Forbes.com and Westside Indianapolis News. Tony, how are you doing? I am doing great. It was a crazy NBA weekend. The first round concluded. Clippers escaped in their amazing series. The Nets beat the box without James Harden. And, oh yeah, two coaches got fired, which is very Pacers adjacent. So today we'll be talking about that, the coaching carousel starting to revolve. You know, we saw the Celtics kind not really move on from their coach, but kind of. I don't really know what to call that. Uh, and then the Blazers and Magic definitely moving on from their coaches over the weekend. And then the show we were going to do today, we're still going to do just over two segments instead of three. Ranking the Pacers from lowest trade value to highest trade value. I think it's important to get this ranking list in your head as you head into the summer to kind of see, okay, if they are going to make a bigger move, what makes what guys make the most sense, you know, maybe given where their ranking is or, you know, if they are going to trade for someone really good, what what is the most valuable stuff that they have to move? So lots to get to today. Yeah, so I think we'll start with the coaching news. Um, we did talk last week a little bit about Brad Stevens. Obviously, he is now the Celtics president of basketball operations, I think is the title he officially got, yep. or something, something along those lines. Um, not really relevant in terms of, like, a coach being available for the pages, but it does create an opening. It is now there are now four coach openings, right? Four. Four to number, right? Right. And they're probably we'll we'll see by the end of the next couple of weeks whether the Bucks will be an opening as well, depending on what happens with that series. Obviously, it's just first game, so you can't read too much into it, but you know, you react for sure. Um Portland, Orlando, and Boston are the only three, right? Yeah. The Bucks could open up as I'm Oh, saying, I see what you're saying. Based yes. on based on their loss to the net, if this continues, that job would probably open up too. Anyway, right. yeah, yeah. It's both coaches that got fired are now rumored to be interested, or the Pacers are interested in both coaches if the Pacers is the big F, if they actually fire the coach, who is still, as of 10.45 Eastern on June 2nd <laughs> p.m. 10.45 p- June <laughs> p.m. What did you just say? June 6th, not June 2nd. Wow, June 6th. six twenty one as the date. is still the head coach of the Pacers, and no decision has been made. Now, we'll look like fools. We'll wake up tomorrow morning, post the podcast, and then something will happen. But we all look dumb. It's just okay. so you know, well, as of, you know, this time at night, late Sunday night, Pacers still have Nave Yorkin as their head coach. So we kind of surmised that it's possible that if the Pacers are evaluating who they might want as their next head coach. And by the way, the fact that leaks about the Pacers coaching search or getting into articles where they haven't even fired their coach is kind of funny to me. But we kind of surmised that one of the reasons they could not have moved on from Bjorkren yet is to see what coaching fallout comes from the postseason. Terry Stotts and Mike Budenholz are the two big names there. Stotts already canned. Um, so that make the, the in, a, in a way, if they were trying to see what what leave or what would shake free from the tree, this makes some sense why they haven't made a decision yet. And maybe again, the Bucks series will delay this even further. Although, man, I mean, that's that'd be a while out still. Um, but yeah, Terry Stotts fired after the Blazers lose to the Nuggets in that first round. It was time. It's been nine years there. They made the conference finals once, but a lot more disappointment than success. Terry Stotts is a good basketball coach. So um, if he is available and the Pacers do end up needing a head coach, not a terrible fit. Understand his weaknesses uh, as a defensive guy, but his offensive stuff's brilliant. Good developer, especially of guards. Interesting given the Pacers roster right now. So he's a good coach. That's interesting to me. And 
assuming Dame does not request a trade, which will, I have no idea what's going to happen in Portland this summer, but if he doesn't, pretty attractive head coaching opening in Portland because he gets coached Damian Lillard. Yeah, I would say like the Pacers are now probably the so the the third most attractive coach of the coach if of, they if they moved on, yeah, they'd be of the three that are there, they'd be ahead of the Magic, I think. Right, I guess the is the Magic though better because the I guess the pick ends no. up right. They end up the first overall pick that changes it a little right. bit, right? Right, and that's that's the biggest thing, but definitely not not the highest one. Assuming all the um now if the Dame, players, if Dame comes there. in and says I'm ready to move on, then they vault them immediately, right? Yeah, so, I mean it, it's the same. Well, I get. You could say something if somehow, you know, Tatum or Brent, Tatum yeah. really wanted out of Boston, that coaching job becomes all of a sudden not as valuable either. Interesting. So the other coaching news, this one is, this is weird. And I, this headline was from Josh Robbins of The Athletic, which was interesting. Or maybe this was in his tweet, but whatever. Steve Clifford parting ways with the Magic. And that kind of was a surprising, like, wow, I can't believe the Magic moved on from Steve Clifford. But then you kind of zoom out and you're like, why am I surprised? You know, it's not that he's a bad coach. It's just like. He always has coached teams that are trying to win and make the playoffs, and they just literally gave away everything. So for them going more of the development around makes some sense. He's good. He got the he's a good defensive coach, especially loves to focus on that rebounding, really avoids transition, um, transition offense for the other team that is Steve Clifford. He's an interesting coach. Uh, he's pretty old, but he's pretty good. I think he got that Hornets to 48 Hornets win with just no talent to 48 wins a couple of years ago, which was pretty impressive. Did well with the Magic, got them in the playoffs with a Pretty oh, wait, wait, wait to slander Al Jefferson. That was a Jefferson's team, right? <laughs> Did you know that Al Jefferson finished top 10 in MVP voting? One was year? he the third team all, all NBA that year? He was, yeah. He finished eighth in MVP. I I, don't, I forget why. I was he was like, insane. Oh, he, had an, he had an insane season. It was like awesome. It was Robert really Reeves. good. He wasn't even an all-star, but he made third in NBA. So someone was talking about like Blake Griffin's best season being one of his seasons with Detroit. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Blake got third or second in MVP one year. So I was checking MVP voting from around when Blake got that high rank and I saw Al Jefferson in eighth. I was like, wow. I, just, I mean, I knew he was good, but like Al Jefferson. Eh? So the magic opening. Yeah. It's interesting. Like they might go development coach like Kenny Atkinson seems like he'd be awesome there, but regardless of who would fit really well in Orlando, Steve Clifford is a good basketball coach as well. Uh, if the Pacers do have some interest there, but just another market for the Pacers to compete with. So this kind of stuff, now that there's many openings and there's actually good names that they might want to hire that they might have to move on, kind of might have to change their timeline or expedite stuff, which that's why I think it's interesting. We should know that actually the Jefferson season was not 2015-16. It was like two seasons before then. But anyways, we were still right about it. He was still with Clifford. and <laughs> Love led Al the playoff. Jefferson tangents. On that Lama. was a different playoff when Clifford led them to. It was 2013-14. I think wow. they were also, they won 43 games when nobody thought they would even be a, like a playoff team. So right. Again, can I sneak in one more Al Jefferson anecdote? Yeah, go ahead. Remember when he put Joel Embiid in the effing blender with that spin move? Yeah, him, him and Trey Young can join together. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Anyway, so, I mean, Clifford is an interesting one just because of the fact he really, he's, this would be his third team-ish, right? He'd be on and I'm just, yeah. I don't, he's never really had a good roster. So you, it's hard, like, he's had okay rosters and, and achieved probably or exceed expectations a few times, especially in, Charlotte, but I'm not sure he's like a uh, what's the word that like the I guess it's a sexy hire is probably the best word I, I no, can think I of there. there. Right. He, and, and I'm not even sure he's okay. I gotta cut off some people on Pacers Twitter, by okay. the way. Like all these guys are getting fired, and everyone's in my mentions like, oh my Terry Stotts would be a great assistant coach to run the offense under Nate Bjorker. Oh, they should hire Steve Clifford on the defense. These guys don't just take assistant jobs. Like that's no, just... they've made enough money, they're not gonna they're <laughs> yeah. taking they're I mean. They're it's doing what Nate McMillan's doing, maybe, where they know they're, they're like, you're being told, hey, come here for a year. If our coach thinks you'll be the coach right. in six months. Yeah, the, the Nets are the exception to the rule where they're like paying their their insane staff, like flipping royalty over there. But 
Yeah, that, that's not a thing. The Pacers with a second-year head coach, if Bjorkman is back, you can't just be like, oh, we now have Steve Clifford and Terry Stotts on the sidelines. Well, anyway. and it's totally different in, in the Nets because it's like Nash is a new head coach and there's a relationship there with D'Antoni that's just something different right. that's not like there's a player-coach relationship they've had forever. I mean, it's just it's, it's a whole different situation. Yeah. Um, For different uh, reasons – I'm cutting you off. I'm sorry. For different reasons, I think both Stotts and Clifford could be good fits as the Pacers coach. I understand the – the retread stuff or the, the the level of success they've had in the past maybe isn't exactly what the Pacers need. I understand why they wouldn't be hired. I'm just saying both of them would be okay fits uh, as the Pacers head coach next year. They've both proven to, you know, do well with players, have a, some sort of effective strategy with teams in the past, uh, overachieving to some extent in some seasons, not other seasons, but some seasons. So um, they're both good if that is the line we want to talk about where the Pacers move on and need to hire them. But I still think the bigger story is, you know, the, the coaching – landscape for this summer is beginning to take shape and that's where it's more interesting for the Pacers is if they are going to get involved on the carousel they have to get on not maybe like really soon but pretty soon yeah I mean I don't think either of those coaches necessarily like moves the needle in a great direction but what it probably brings back is some professionalism and um some like stability right these are guys who are experienced who have managed locker rooms before managed organizations so like they went from right having Nick Millen, who's been, you know, coach forever in the league and been through God knows how many teams and whatnot. And it brings you kind of like a certain just like like floor to a guy in Bjorkman who is kind of this more like maybe high ceiling but low floor way where like Clifford and Stotts come in and they've done it before and they'll like be solid. But I'm not sure. Again, it pushes the envelope for the Pacers, which is something they probably list last year they talked a lot about. Right. That was a big thing last year was like we need to like be innovative because yeah. we're a French doesn't have the money to go after to get somebody great. Or get, or get get great players, so we have to like figure out a way to scheme past people. I don't know that necessarily what they need right now, especially this year. I mean, this is, this is a pretty low year for them, but um, yeah. I mean, both guys would be fine. Both guys would be fine. I actually forgot about Kenny Atkins until you brought him up. I forgot that name been floating out there. Right when yeah, he, get- he he was pretty pop. I was higher on him than a lot of other people were last year for the Patriots. I get why he wasn't a good fit, but given what happened, it's strange. But yeah, uh, I I said I certainly think that things are turning on the coaching front now in the NBA. I mean, that's really obvious. Yeah, see. but they still got to, you know, get rid of their coach, which I, I, I <laughs> exactly. still don't – I really don't understand what's taking – I mean, if – If they really think on. they have an in on Bud, I think that would be the biggest delay. But, I mean, yeah. If, but if again, they don't I, think they I, can I, get anybody, what's the point of firing the Well, guy? like, also, at some point, it's like, Bury's got to be like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to quit. Because, like, like he doesn't want to just be like everybody talking about like replacing him. Like, if he comes back, it's going to be because basically they couldn't find someone or they didn't want to pay someone, which is not like a good <laughs> – Or they actually wanted to have him back, which – who knows? Yeah, but then they should say that, right? I mean, we're now, t- what, two weeks the season ended for the Pacers? Yeah, the, the, when they decide, they will tell us. I know, but now we're like, we're pushing the envelope to the time. Why did the Magic wait so long, Adam? What were they doing? Yeah, but they they got, their season ended four days, what, four days before the Pacers, right? Okay. Give or take, they they made their decision on Wednesday, right? No, they made their decision Saturday. Yesterday? Yesterday, yep. Clipper was fired yesterday? I thought it was... Yes. Why does it feel like it was long? Wow. I am time is really just <laughs> all right. Never well, so they have three more what days. Were they waiting the same for? Timeline. I feel like Clifford the news was like last week. I, don't I know think why. I and we read this, we read this in I think it was the athletic report uh from Orlando. Again, Josh Robbins again. Like all these orgs, just given the way the season was, it was like game, 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 game. No practice. Go, 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 go do this, go do this, COVID, this, COVID, that. As soon as the season ended, I think every team was just like, get away. Ten days, get the hell out of here, right? And that's why that's what I think the delay was with Clifford and potentially. It, All right. So it, I think they have part of it with the Pacers. If they don't do it in the next three days, then they'll have waited longer than the clip than the, than the match. Yeah. <laughs> four so, days. Right? But yes, four days. Three. Well, we're on Sunday. So we have three more days. 
Uh, to be four days on the time. No, they played like a week more than the Magic, right? No, they, they didn't the season end Sunday and they lost by Thursday, right? Oh yeah, okay, four days. Yeah, it was a they, big They weren't. They have till they have till Wednesday. Yeah, that? basically, yeah, Wednesday. I guess to meet our artificial go, wow, The slower than the Magic. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're time, probably... I don't think the timeline's really that big of a story, though. I understand why it's perplexing. I just don't think it matters. Yeah, I guess my only thing would be is we're. In a short, like, a, is, we're gonna have a shorter offseason this year in the NBA, right? It's gonna really. be prob- probably. I mean, I guess we don't know yet, but we assume, right? They're gonna be back sometime in October. We we have. Oh, to I see what you're saying. Yeah. So like, right. so like, not that you have OT or anything right now, but if you get a new coach in sooner, like, because I'm thinking you get rid of the coach, unless they're gonna like hire somebody the next day, it's gonna be a multi-week process. And you're probably not gonna have a coach, even if you fired him like tonight, for at least two weeks, which means you're not gonna have a guy in the building to talk to players two weeks less, and we're already, you know, usually decision would be made and done by let's say like this time normally right if we're in a normal nba season so that's you're just losing time is all but like i don't know is that is that big of a deal well, they really don't know what they want to do players happens like when they're coming back for camp and stuff and that timeline will be the same as a normal season so it's not that yeah but i feel like there was some reaching out in this time of month just to like kind of gauge maybe, maybe a little bit i mean is that what bjorkman did as soon as he got hired basically like he started reaching out to play i know it was it was like the season to, basically traveled america to talk to right him. i mean i know the season was starting the next week so that's probably partially why but like right. there is some of that where like if you you kind of want and also there's kind of a cloud right it's kind of like this uncertainty over everything for everybody for a while it's just like yeah the uncertainty will linger until and it's it's such a finicky situation that i honestly think the pacers might and eh, maybe they won't put out a statement but i think we'll get like a news report about like just like he's staying if he does so that'll be fascinating yeah i feel like they have to at least confirm that yeah but we'll they see didn't, uh, well, they didn't say anything and just three months from now just kept you know i mean no 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 words no i guess he i bet you put up to talk to the media when he makes the draft pick and that's when people would ask it so i guess it would eventually come out <laughs> he's gonna slide an envelope under adam silver's door that says he's staying and then he, i was thinking more more, more like adam J, silver more like jay michael's door right <laughs> just no come on <laughs> well that's what i mean that's what that's it's Jay Michael is very good on the information. He would just tell Jay yes. Michael, well, you know, give him a little note, say, hey, we're keeping yes, working. Jay, Jay might be the guy we learn the info from. I agree. Yeah, that, that's all I mean. I don't mean like it anything nefarious. Just yeah, like- I, I still think that just the carousel is turning now and we'll get stuff soon. And if you listen to the Key Dates podcast last Friday, which I highly encourage you to do so, we are now nine days away from the start of Canada basketball training camp. So if Bjorkman is going to be involved there, you got to think. They're not going to fire him over Zoom, so they probably want to get stuck going before that. If he's involved, if he's not, that doesn't matter. But we'll who see. knows? We're in the year. Of, we were, we're in the year where everybody, everything over Zoom. Who, who the heck knows? Honestly. <laughs> um, all right. You want to you want to start doing trade value? Let's do some trade value. All right. Let's do trade value next. But first, we'll take our first break because today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is help making your short list of qualified candidates. You know, hiring partner who helps you make life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality candidates in a short list whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for candidates that meet your must-have qualification and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Be made connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. And with tools like Indeed Instant Match, give you quality candidates' resumes on Indeed Fit your job description immediately in Indeed skills test that on average, which is hiring by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills that add your must-have requirements, so only you pay applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job site combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash locked. 
Get $75 credit and D.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D. D.com slash locked. Offer valid to June 30th. Terms and condition apply. And we are also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is that amazing protein bar. Comes in nine delicious flavors and a ton of limited time ones. You know, you know them. We talked to them for a long time as podcasts. They come in. My favorite one is like the peanut butter brownie one. There's something for everyone, though, they have there. They're great if you're trying to maintain, lose weight, indulge in a, in a delicious snack. These protein bars are awesome. They're, you know, 180 calories is the peanut butter brownie one. It's 18 grams of protein, only five grams of net carbs. It's awesome. And they have all kinds of flavors, like I said, when they have limited time offers. So check those out. And right now, go to builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, so Pacers trade value rankings. I'm assuming we go from want to go from 20 to one, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, this exercise I think is helpful for you, the listener, uh, to to kind of figure out okay, if the Pacers do an upgrade, where can they get the most back, or if they're gonna shift the pieces around, what can they get the most from? Uh, we did this last year. We'll do another one later in the summer of most likely players to be traded, and we were spot on last year, by the way, because um, we're just so smart. Anyway, so that's the value of this. It's really fun. It's fun to do this. But yes, we are going to go 20 to 1. So least likely to be traded to most likely to be traded. However, players 15 through 20 are a dead tie. So can we just get them out of the way for Yeah, and let's let's also add that we're adding in the picks to this. So the 13th overall yes. pick and the two second round of 56th and 60th overall pick. So there's also in the trade value. Yes. Okay. So there, the, there's a six-way tie for last in the Pacers trade value rankings. And that is Doug McDermott. TJ McConnell, Jakar Sampson, O'Shea Brissett, Cassius Stanley, and Keelan Martin because they cannot be traded. Their contract, well, technically, okay. It's hard to explain, but if, you don't, if you're a free agent, you can't be traded. You just can't be traded. So that rules out Jakar, TJ, and Doug, and Cassius. They do not have any money on the books. Make sure they cannot be traded. If you're non-guaranteed, technically you can be traded, but their guarantee dates for Keelan is too early for that. And O'Shea, technically the same thing. Although they could technically trade O'Shea because his guarantee day is into next season. But yeah, those guys are out. I guess they could trade O'Shea. Maybe I could. Yeah, I guess the thing about McDermott and and, and McConnell, though, is they could sign and trade those guys through it, but they're not not quite the same value. Yeah, but then their value completely changes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, I can't guess that. So yeah, totally. I just got that wrong. O'Shea is tradable. I'm going to move him into the... He is tradable, but let's be honest, he's not going to get traded. Yeah, he's Uh, not. Well, I'm putting him where I wouldn't put him anyway. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. But the other five are legitimate. Keelan, Cassius, Jakar, TJ, and Doug McDermott. All right. Number last. (laughs) That was a terrible way to say that. The last guy on the 15 things that can be traded list for me is Amita Brima. Did you not have Amita Brima? I have him right there, too. All right. So Amita Brima had a two-year two-way deal. Not very many people knew that. That doesn't mean he'll be back next year. You can easily cut a two-way deal at any time. No problem. Um, But... I think that it makes it likely or at least some uh, plausible um, that he could be traded. So that's why he's there because it's technically legal, but he will not be traded. It's just not going to happen. So he's last and he has but, no value at all. Yeah. I mean, they can cut him. So there's no need to even like trade off him. Like there's the guys here who might need to, who might have any trade value, but they also, cause they require something to get rid of them. But yeah, they still have, I guess, some value in some way. All right. My 14th slot. The 60th pick in the draft. Ooh, I don't have that. Oh, do you not have it ranked at all, or not? No, have no, 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 no. I have it ranked at all. Um, so I have I have one player below that because I think it would take that pick to trade this player. Wow, wow. Okay, go ahead. 
I'm going to say right to, to trade Jeremy Lamb, you're going to have to give up something with him if you want to get rid of him on himself. That's possible. He might be a negative value thing. He so is I, my lowest ranked player. He is my lowest ranked player. Yeah. So I can I just give you my like last bottom four after mid round real quick? Because they'll kind of after Brian, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Lamb at 14, right? Uh, the 60s pick, 56 pick, and then Aaron Holiday. And the reason I those okay. four bunched together is because Aaron Holiday might neutral probably might be neutral trade but he also might require one of those picks so they're all kind of to me they're very i don't think he would i do, definitely do not think he would i maybe i mean i, I think you're probably right i, I just like there's a possibility first that two seasons a, have to matter somewhat like i know but i think really if they're gonna crunch thing. and somebody can take advantage of that be like well you need to cut sure. him to get rid of the cap so that's we'll taking but we, you need a pick kind of thing yeah so i had brima 15 60th pick 14 56 pick 13 lamb 12 because i agree with you See, he's interesting because when he's expiring, maybe he'd be neutral value as an expiring, but then you're taking back crappy salary in return, which in turn is a negative thing you're getting back, right? So technically, I would consider him negative value. So maybe I should have put him below the second round picks, but they're just worthless in deals, basically. They're just toss-ins. And then I had Aaron Holiday 11th as well. So we are in lockstep on the bottom five. Okay. Let's do three more, four more, and then do the top of the list after a break. But who do you, who do you have next? Who's your 10th ranked trade value for the Pacers. So this is this is a tough one. Um I think it's Sumner. I had Sumner here as well. We are All right, killing wow, it. we are in lockstep. This is great. We are on fire. Yeah, Sumner's interesting. They'd have to pick up his team option to deal him for the same reason like we talked about with the not legally tradable camp. Um I think he is is valuable on the court, but his low contract value is hard to trade. Uh the low amount of years left on his deal is is not necessarily appealing to other teams especially cuz he won't be restricted for aging and he's been hurt kind of a lot. So I, I think he's better than his trade value in terms of what he provides on the court, but in terms of value, that's where I put him. Yeah, and I think everybody ahead of him is a legitimate rotation player or somebody who is so young that you think will be a rotation player yes. next year, too. Yes, I 100% agree. Wow, we are killing it. This is great. Yeah, we're and usually very we boring never, for listening. We never usually agree this much. All right. I know. All right, who's your nine? Give me your number nine. My number nine is O'Shea Brissett. Ooh, okay. I, I, have, I have Justin Holiday here at nine. Okay. Well, guess who I have at eight? Guess who I have at eight? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. Not the this same exercise was shot apparently a little easier than we expected. <laughs> I know we yeah, we oh, hit these so, from so, each other so too. My we, separator here was similar to something I just said about Sumner, where the low salary he's a minimum guy kind of makes him like hard to get equal value in return, right? Like the salary stuff doesn't make sense, which is yeah. a stupid thing because this technically should be an in a vacuum exercise. But in reality, I think. Because Justin Holiday fits on more rotations, I think, by sl- a slight amount, his contract is a little better and more tradable. Uh, I put Justin Holiday above O'Shea, though I get having O'Shea above because he's super young and super talented. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I think his his potential is so high that there's just like there's just more value, yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think yeah, I agree, tr- but he's played 40 games, which I think is going to scare teams away. And I would agree. That's, that's the thing. I, I would I would agree too. I mean, he's he, the problem is with O'Shea is like he's like not that he's untradeable because nobody's untradeable on this roster. I don't think actually, but I just think like it, there would just be no reason to trade him unless you got blown right. away and no one's going to blow you away from him. Or like his Justin contract Holiday, might be the best one on the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Justin Holiday is probably like a more tradable player, although I think he's also pretty valuable the way he fits with this roster and can kind of play anywhere from like two to four at times. But like. He's just much more tradable because any team would be like, I want that guy to be my seventh man in a you know championship rotation, and yeah. get some like real value for that, whether it's a pick or you know somebody else, a couple young guys. So like, but I, I just think O'Shea in my mind has more value, but I think in terms of practicality, 
Aaron Justin Holiday has more that, like is more tradable. Is that that is extremely fair? Okay. I think that the way we thought about that is the reason for the difference there. But I yeah, and I think in actuality neither of those guys will be dealt. But value wise, they're about there. So seven and ups where it got a lot harder for me. Yeah, uh, do you want to do a break now or after? Yeah, let's do, let's do a break because I'm sure we will probably, hopefully, we'll disagree on the seven. Top we'll be seven. skipping Shannon it up with our disagreements and seven to the top. Yeah, mm-hmm. so let's take one more break and then we'll do our top seven trade values. Um, but first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, and you track it all, all the action on Bet Online, the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB. NBA, NHL, and all the UFC MA action. We are in the heart of the NBA, NHL playoffs, all kinds of bets there. Future bets are constantly changing, game-by-game bets, series bets. I mean, I, I look at the Hawks to see what, what their odds to win the East is. Not they will, but, you know, it's a couple injuries to keep breaking their win that they could. So before the next pitch or before the next game tips off, head over to betonline.ig on your laptop, mobile device, check out all the great news, sign up for bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as you – and it's your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. Head over to the website today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED ON. That's L O C K E D O N. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right. We are the top seven trade value Pacer players. And I guess we have one, we both have a, have a pick, pick in here. Yeah. A pick in here. Uh, who is number seven or what is number seven maybe is the right question <laughs> oh mine is not a what it is a who okay who my seven is goga batadze god dang it, tony are we right on again we're right on number seven <laughs> this is this is kind well, of I, I i actually think those make like from seven to 15 i mean it, it it's pretty easy i guess i think yeah way. we're starting to get to like the real stuff like justin holiday and o'shea have real value i don't want to like belittle them but we talked about the reasons it's not like serious value goga has Definitely not like lived up to the 18th pick, but he's definitely grown enough from year one to two. He definitely has some NBA skills. He definitely looks like he'll still be a valuable player. So certainly would be a good piece in like a big deal of like, oh, we're trading this vet plus Goga to move to upgrade that vet. Like I, he definitely has some solid value, I think, in that kind of way. Still young, looks good. So, uh, yeah, I have Goga here for that reason. Yeah. Have you ever looked at the uh, 2019 NBA draft and saw who went around him? Uh, I have not. So it gets, it's kind of, it's a little, I don't call it frustrating, maybe the right word, but so like, right, there's, there's Matisse Thibault went 20, Brandon Clark went 21. Um, is Darius Baisley playing for someone? Am I imagining that? Thunder, right. yes. Thunder, right. He went 23 and Kevin Porter went 30, Junior, who I know has his issues, obviously, but is, he'd play some good minutes for the. You skipped the, over yeah. Lucas Samanich at 19 and uh, Ty Jerome at 24. Why'd you do that? Are they actually playing minutes for those? Teams? No, no, they're just not. That's why I was naming guys who, actually, who at least I know. I'm naming the guys who aren't any good. Kagambella, okay. you skipped him. He's going to be out of the NBA this year. It's no, I know. I, I'm just saying it's not as frustrating, but there are some good, like a lot of times if you go like two years out in a draft, you just like, it's very hard when you get past, like, let's say 10 to really have any value in this draft after 10, it's hit or miss. Right. I mean, but it's just interesting that there is some players who at least I thought in the playoffs are playing some rotation minutes for teams. So like basically Tybor is the only one, but that's still something I loved, loved, loved Brandon Clark that year. Uh, he isn't as good as he, I guessed him up to be for the first couple years of his career. But yeah, anyway, this, those guys that you just named a few of them were better than him. Clark's like 26 now and isn't in a playoff rotation. So they're probably about even on trade value, despite the misstep on the pick there. But yeah, I'd go good there. I'm assuming we have the same number six then, given the way you led in this segment. I have the 13th pick in number six. Oh, I do not. Oh, okay. Whoa, so think, wait, what? Wow. Yeah. Who do you have here instead? Do I? 
Do I say it? You have to. I th- I think Miles Turner had the most trade value. Whoa. What? Wow, we have a big disagreement on this. So, one. like, so if you trade a Turner today, could you get a top ten pick for him? No. Could you get a top fifteen pick for him? Probably. Right, yeah. somewhere about the thirteenth range, right? Yeah. So it's give or take, I would say. That's you why I have a point. <laughs> that, that's the only reason I would do it. He's the you only. You have a point. I might have the thirteenth pick too low. No, I'm just saying. Everybody else, I think, would go for a top ten pick on the roster. If maybe it's ho- it's hard to get a player for a top, but I feel like any of those. That teams- is a good way to think about that. That I did not do. I kind of got maybe too contract heavy when thinking about this. Carry on. Yeah, I mean that that's how I viewed it. So maybe, I did, but yeah, so I've I mean, turned much higher than that. Interesting. I mean, I think that's it's interesting because I I feel like everyone in the roster would go higher than thirteen, or the Pacers wouldn't accept the thirteenth pick or higher, like lower than top ten pick for those guys. If that makes sense. But Turner, that's I possible. Could Turner. see them the right fourteenth pick. That is a good way to think about it. I can't believe I didn't. That's so obvious. How did I not do that? I don't know. Wow, I appreciate you finally, like you know, praising me for once. <laughs> Giving Adam some gas for his D two. Yeah, Who'd for you real. Five? Um, uh, I had I had Brogdon. Okay. I brought, uh, I don't want to say where I brought. Oh, wait, I we're off. Brogdon. Hold on, hold on. We're off a number, right? Go, go seven. Pick was third. I had Turner six and I had the yeah. pick five. I had the pick five. I'm sorry. Oh, you have the pick five. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. I have the pick five and I have the next player I have is I have Brogdon. Okay. I have TJ Warren at five. Okay. Interesting. I understand that with the injury. and Yeah. The injury is what held him down. I think talent wise, he's probably above a few guys on the team above him and certainly has a lot of trade value. The reason we got a mailbag question about his value. Certainly a lot of teams would want him if he became available. And I think he could fetch. More than the thirteenth. Uh, interesting. They got him for. Like, they, no, his contract probably does not fetch him more than the thirteenth pick. Never mind. But yeah, he's an interesting one. But know, I put him above thirteen. So like the Warren thing, right? I think today you might be right. But if you talk about Warren eight months ago, he does get higher than thirteenth pick, right? Yes, I agree. Right. So that's and that's where I much with Warren is, is. I think you're no matter what, you're technically selling high because you got him for free. So right. like trading him for any pick is better than what you. I mean, you got him for literally three second round picks, like to you instead of the other way around. That crazy. was crazy. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. Well. Um, and look at this, Adam. It worked out for the Suns. Look at them go. Everybody worked out. I mean, it seemed to work everybody. It's kind of crazy how many win-win trades that Pacers have been involved in, in last year. I mean, just since, years, since, so. since the Oladipo a bonus trade, right? That's when win pretty much everybody else, too. Yeah, their only non-win-win trade was uh, the Lavert oladipo deal, which they won by mouth. Okay, so you but said it worked you out for the Nets. It just didn't work out for the Rockets. You said you have Brogdon four? Yes. A yeah, I do, too. I do yeah. too. Yeah. I think I think he's a not he's his age is the reason he probably doesn't have as much value as some of the, I agree. my top three. I agree. I think he's a look. This is going to sound controversial. Just I, I need people to catch up with how big NBA contracts are. Okay, like good role players and and solid starters are like twenty million dollar players. I think Brogdon's a little underpaid, which makes him very valuable. He's very good as a second option, third option, fourth option, good defender, good locker room guy. Uh, he just finished sixth or seventh in the teammate of the year award, which is voted on by players. He got 25 first place votes, which is more than the players on the Pacers. So clearly other teams see the value of Malcolm Brogdon as a locker room guy. Anyway, I had him for, I think he's really valuable and really talented and I don't really need to explain Malcolm Brogdon to you. Yeah. And I think he might honestly be the most untradeable player on the roster, but just because I think he means a lot to, to the locker room and everything. Okay. So I'm going to go first on three here. Okay. Because yeah, but- you, you've swayed me that this is probably too high. I have miles Turner at three. Uh, I just, you're right that the 13th pick argument is very compelling, right? Like straight up, you probably could not get a top 10 pick return this year. I agree with that. I just think that he has a lot of value to the teams that really want him. And that it's, it's it's, like draft picks are just interesting. Like the way, like the best way to look at it is the Hornets have the 11th pick right now, right? Yeah. 
they would they might trade it for him that's interesting yeah it's very it's close i mean it's close they might they might that's very true that's close and that's why i i think i might have had so i agonized adam heard me like very struggling with two through five right the players and i settled on i haven't said two yet but i think you guys can guess if you're listening but three was turner four brogdon five warren that was hard. Those guys are close in general to me. I think I have worn a tick below just for the reasons we talked about already. But I put Turner here, top five defender in the NBA, still a good offensive player, still growing, clearly shows that he can fit on legitimately any NBA team. Like I just think he has a lot of value. So I I think the – Your three is TJ Warren, right? No, my, my three is Levert. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a little – I have a high ceiling on Warren. Um, I love TJ Warren, but I don't think his trade value is that high. So on Turner's thing real quick, I just think the issue is I don't not, I'm not sure if other teams value the way the pace, like a do, if that makes sense. Like, I think there's a, well, I think we learned that last year with Hayward, right? Yeah. I think teams, I think it might be because they're not as locked into his, you know, defensive stats and whatnot, the way, um, you know, Pacer fans are and whatnot. But I think there is, there is some hesitancy of like, Oh, he's not really an offensive player really can't be, like even like a an adequate offensive player that is not they don't really you know they don't find that valuable I guess that's the only the reason I had him so low. I think he is plug and play on any roster and is a top five defender in basketball. So I think that's a very valuable player. Oh, I I agree with you. It's valuable. I just I just don't think he has the that. I and the, and the Celtics value. the Celtics are a good thought experiment this year about the value of Miles Turner, right? Well, they should have. I mean, they, should, they should, well even beyond they should have taken the deal. Let's let's ignore Hayward for a second. They they, they bet that they could get more value at center than Turner, right? That was the the reporting. I think it was Zach Lowe on his podcast. It's like they didn't really see the value of him, like if they wanted to move him in the future. And then they give Tristan Thompson two years at the MLE. It's like, well, there's Thompson- a reason Danny Age is in a GM right now. <laughs> That's possible, yeah. No, I mean, the, this, the roster they put together this year, Bad. like Danny Age has been a great GM for 13, 14 years, but he had a rough last year or two, let's call it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the Thompson the deal was weird. And I think you saw like, wow, the gap between Thompson and Turner is pretty big. Like, well, well and, <laughs> you, you take that risk and you're wrong. And then you realize how good a guy like that could have helped yeah. your team. Yeah. I mean, they just, the, the Boston roster couldn't, they couldn't get that third guy they needed. That's the problem in this. And Turner, having Turner McDermott would have been better than what they, was the option of nothing. I mean, that was what they ended up with. So, um, so my I'm third is. You have Levert three. I have Levert three. So I'll just say I've worn two. Um, yep. The reason I have worn two. I have Levert two. Is I think we talked about it. The small forward is the most valuable position. A guy who can defend at the at that three, which Warren proved two seasons ago he can do, is super valuable. His injury certainly scares teams away. I think in some ways, but I also think his injury is not like he um, tore an ACL or tore something that was really like bad. It's not like he snapped his foot in half. He clearly had something with plantar fasciitis that probably some kind of fracture in his foot that it, maybe it is as scary, but it doesn't seem as scary or as like it should. Um, like mentally block him in some ways, right? Like somebody like yep. like for like Oladipo or even like um, Porter back in the day, those kind of injuries like are just mentally tough to get over. And then it's getting you know then getting back. Warren should be back at full strength next season. The everybody would assume, and at, at full strength, he is the team's second best offensive player and maybe their best Great. overall player on the defensive and offensive end, considering the position of need at the three. If he comes back just as good as he was, even just not pre bubble. In in eighteen, or well, wait, I don't think he's ever going to be the bubble. I think that was just like a no, that was enough. Long. But if I he mean, comes back as good as he was regular season nineteen twenty, I mean, yeah, that's second best offensive player on the team. So I agree with you there. Yeah. Let 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 me let me go through an exercise with you, Adam. Okay. Yeah. Is, is that okay? What has more value to you? Yeah. Gary Harris, 
RJ Hampton, who was picked uh, 20th, I think, in the 2020 NBA draft. And the Denver Nuggets 2025 first round pick. Or the 13th pick in this draft. Okay, wait, RJ Hampton, who was the first one again? Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and the Nuggets 2025 first round pick. Uh, you're talking about Levert, I'm assuming? Just, just, just answer my question. What has more value? What, what do you mean? Oh, of those two- three things, what has more value? No, no, no. Group one is Harris, Hampton, and the pick, and group two is the 13th pick. Oh. Well, that's... Gary has been really bad lately, right? Like, really bad? Yeah, not really bad. He's still a good player because he's a good defender, but... But not not the same in, for the Pacers because they already... Ignore the Pacers. Just okay, all right, because it doesn't really fit. They already have a two-guard. I, I am not talking about fit. We will get to the point of this exercise when you answer the question. Okay, Um, I think the 13th pick has a little more value, but it's pretty close. Okay, so those three players, well, two players in a pick, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and the Nuggets 2025 first-round pick. That was the return for Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic this season. Aaron Gordon, 25 years old in 263 days. Karis LeVert, basically exactly one year older. I personally think the Hampton first-round pick package with Gary Harris is worth more than the 13th pick, and I think LeVert has slightly more value than Aaron Gordon, and I was looking for good facsimiles of trades for guys on the Pacers about their age that happened this season, and we'll get to another one with our, both of our number one guys in a second. But that one was actually pretty close to me where I thought, okay, Levert's a little better than Gordon and is about the same age. You can fetch a little bit more than that. And that's a good package. That's a solid, that's two solid firsts and a vet that kind of helps your team or is a good flippable in the future. So that's why I put Levert too. That's a good return. Yeah, that's fair. I apologize for making you go through that thought exercise without explaining it to you. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I, I understand what you're trying to do. I mean, I, I think Levert, and Gordon have similar value because both have different strengths. I mean, that depends what you Agreed. need. I mean, Gordon fits better with what the Nuggets needed than what they didn't need to Levert. I guess, well, they could have went to Mama Rayford, actually used to Levert. But before then, they didn't need to Levert. They needed a guy who could play the four and right. maybe hit a couple threes and could defend really well. That's what they wanted. Um, somebody who guard the other team's best, who guard a Kawhi or Paul George, which we'll have to do eventually um, if they make it far enough. Um, my, my number one was uh, was Cassius Stanley. No, I'm kidding. Oh. We both? <laughs> We both have Sabonis one. I'm glad yeah. I settled on that. So what do you think they could really get for Sabonis? I mean, because like, here's well, the thing. perfect, Adam. Good segue to what I was about to say. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the sheet of looking at the trade deadline trades from last year to get this, these estimated values when I was looking at the Aaron Gordon trade. I mean, let's look at the other magic trade from last year. Vucevic, right? This is what we always talk about as a kind of barometer for Sabonis. So the, 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 the tick here is Vuce was a little better than Sabonis last year at, at the trade deadline. By the end of the year, Sabonis passed him for sure. But at the time of the trade deadline, remember, Vuce was a little bit better at that point. So Vuce and Aminu fetched the magic. Wendell Carter, former top 10 pick. Otto Porter, a first-round pick in 2021, top four protected from the Bulls, and a 2023 first-round pick, top four protected. So that's about Sabonis' value to me, is that. Can I, can I give you a, a trade, and this is just – Random one. Would you trade if you could do it today? Would you trade uh, Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb for CJ McCollum? Uh, no. Do you think who says no? I w- the Pacers. Okay. Sabonis Why do you think it's because you think so? Okay. That's I mean, I, McCollum was. I don't think McCollum has low value. He's an excellent basketball player. But yeah. Sabonis has more trade value. It's just how. Yeah. I, I guess my point would be: Does that solve your center clock? Like you can live with Turner as the center, and then you've got four offensive. I think Turner really- for McCollum's closer value. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, McCollum, again, McCollum's good. Like McCollum's a bad, bad defensive player. Like he's like, 
Okay. Listen to if you didn't if you haven't listeners I I encourage you to listen to this. Uh, Chris Herring and Zach Lowe on the Low Post talked about like a Portland maybe not post mortem that might be a stretch but you know just like what do they do now they move yeah. blah, blah blah and they were accurately I think calling CJ McCollum like a third maybe third point five banana on a really good team right that is not like the most valuable thing ever even if he is a really good player but is Sabonis a two on a really good team? Uh, prob- probably higher up than McCollum in terms okay. of. Well, because age too, McCollum's got five yeah. years on him, four years on him. I mean, McCollum yeah. is it's it's hard to find guys that can score twenty three points a game, especially yeah. when they're playing some guys. I am not trying to do any of this to be little CJ McCollum. No, no, you're fine. I was just curious. I mean, because what that trade is, I, I agree, most is more value than McCollum, but then you get rid of the Lamb contract, which is expiring. It's not that big of a deal as it was last year, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it could you get like an what a kind of you don't. Probably can I tell you another reason I don't think CJ McCollum has a ton of trade value? Yeah. Uh, can I can I give you a hundred million reasons that CJ McCollum? Oh, because he's got got hundred million dollars. Got a three year hundred million dollar deal that kicks in starting next season. That's not it's not like so bad, you know. Like he's good. It's what yeah. Can I, I, what, what I will say too about both the Pacers centers is if they do make a trade, we're gonna have to adjust in our minds so that a team is probably going to try to take advantage of the fact that Pacers don't want both centers and probably correct. try to. They're not gonna get as much value for that for them just because of that reason. Correct. Right. Well, it, that's the same with Portland probably, and they're saying if Portland makes a trade. Everybody knows that they want it. They got to keep Dame. They got to trade McCollum. So they're not going to get great offers for either. They'll probably have to put some picks in and make it work. What if you yeah. added in like a Portland first this year and the next year top or two years now top four protected? Would that be worth they, it? They might end up being a sneaky center pick uh, for one of the Pacers guys. Yeah, but I don't think they. Kirkage was pretty good for them in the playoffs, though. No, but they, they what they need is they need another. They probably need to keep McCollum and need another guy to go next to them. That's what they need, but I don't know how they get Yeah, it. they've been searching for that for forever. I yeah. want to end on a Portland-adjacent thought when, okay. I, when it comes to the Pacers, if you don't mind. Yeah. I've seen so many people – we're getting back to head coaching here. They they look at Terry Stotts and uh, you know they're like, oh, he'd be a horrible fit on the Pacers. The the Blazers, they finished 29th in defense this year. Bad coach. I'm like, do you see the guys on this team? Yeah. Enos Cantor, Carmelo Anthony, Damon Lillard, and CJ McCollum played together a lot. I'll like – of course that team's going to be terrible at defense. Also, there's that, a that lot. That is my ending, parting anger thought. You know, I think we should also remember there's, there's a really high importance on assistant coaches. Yeah. Right? I mean, we don't realize uh, – and maybe I never – I think we did this year. No, this Dan year Burke, I finally yeah, – oh, no. this is the first year I think I finally realized that. I mean, I knew Dan Burke was a really good coach. We talked about it, but I think it's hard to visualize, like, oh, when you have a good assistant, like, staff, it, like, really boosts up your coach. And I think it explains a lot of why the Patriots have been – had – what their last three of the last four coaches have all been guys who got higher other teams been successful, right? You got Vogel championship winning coach, Carlos championship winning coach, and same with and McMillan is a first round playoff. And right now it's gonna make the East Finals with a roster that probably shouldn't even be there, frankly, because consider you know considering what's gonna happen. So like there is something about the the like environment you build as a head coach, and the Patriots done a good job supporting their coaches with a lot of like support from the other from other coaches. I agree, and I think yeah, yeah. yeah. And having some former coaches as ma- as management, right? Larry Bird is a former coach. He's a very good coach when he's coached for three seasons. Helps to kind of understand that importance. And Bridger gets coached for a little while, right? I might end all of our weekly shows from now on with me just complaining about stupid stuff people tweet at me. Can Can I say though that the, what the weirdest thing is is like the Portland Indiana circle? Have you, so, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. so did you also see? I think it was in one of the articles on the Athletic. I'm I think where they said 
that originally Portland was thinking about Nate McMillan was a the guy they had wanted to get back as their coach. Huh. They got rid of Stotts. Like it was like, a, but obviously it's not going to happen now. I read Jason Quick's report about the Stotts firing, but I haven't read any Portland stuff since then. So I think I, 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 I could, might not. I might but not that know. McMillan was on their shortlist of guys that was so like. There's this circle yeah. of where there's people are going from Portland. Like I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if it two seasons Neil, Neil O'Shea is the Pacers. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't be shocked. I know you're. Well, you know what that means, Adam. What? I'm mean, starting a point guard for the Pacers next year. Who, Damian Lillard? Damian Lillard, yeah. Obviously. Oh, I was thinking that pretty ended up back in Portland with McMillan, <laughs> and then we'd have to be like a, a constant. The cycle push. never ends, yeah. yeah. That would be something, my gosh. Yeah, the Pacers, you know who their third center could be next year? Greg Oden. You know, that'd be another one. <laughs> I just, he does live in Indianapolis, right? He, he does, that's true. I mean. All right, we have derailed to end this. Yeah. Um, Get us out of here. So we are doing our player review series. We're back on oh, those. Yeah. This this week, I'm going to pull up our federal fest so I can find the tab real fast. I'll get it. Today, this week. As we start off player season recaps, is backup shooting guards week. So Edmund Sumner, Aaron Holiday, and Jimmy Lane. All right. And then we're going to do the centers and some center stuff next week. Tony will have a show later this week on how the injuries impacted the season for the Pacers. That should be interesting. Um, I'm assuming the Warren one will be, uh, that'll be a, a big I got injury. Some, some stats. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, so that will be next week's show. Obviously, we'll be monitoring the coaching news. All week, if something does happen, you'll expect an emergency pod. I've been saying that for I think two weeks now, three weeks now. So <laughs> it'll probably we'll probably be on in two weeks still saying that, but I'll say it every week. Um, I'm gonna do locker room this week, so check out for that. I said I'll wait for the coaching news. Maybe there is one I'll hop on. If not, we'll do one later in the week. As always, you can follow our podcast at Locked On Pacers. Tony at TCN NBA, me at Madam Five. That is all for Locked On Pacers Podcast. We'll see you guys again. Tomorrow.